How many of you know like some things in life are super complex? Uh, and this, this is one of them. I don't know if you are a puzzle fan or maybe like a Rubik's Cube is your jam or, or, or some of these games that are like tactile. And here's one, it's called the perplexing X. And the challenge with this is to get this square outside of this, this X. And uh, there's some, there, there, you can tell that it's separated right here. There's some like dowel rod things in there, but, but, but this is challenging. This is perplexing and, and you can free plug for Amazon. You can get these bad boys for 12 bucks, uh, challenge your kids. And by the end of this service, I'm gonna show you how to make something complex, very simple, very practical, and you'll be able to wow uh, your guest at the next uh, dinner party. This is coming later. But some things in life are super, super complex. And some, some people have been asking questions that I think are, are super complex, like, is this the end? Like, like is this the end, end times? Like, what, what will it be like in the end times? Like, what, is, what does the Bible say about, about what will take place? What, what's the time, the date? Like, how will we know whenever it's, it's the end? How do I equip my, my kids, my family, my friends for, for those end times? And, and how, how, can I be, how can I be ready? And, and on the surface, those are very perplexing questions and, and we, we navigate these and wrestle with these and have conversations about those, those questions. But my hope by the end of this message is we're gonna take something that's very perplexing and just make it very practical. And I'm thankful for the Bible that, that it takes things that are complex about life and breaks them down to very practical ways. And so that's kind of where we're going in this, this message here today. This is week three of a, a message series on, on the end times. Like, hey, it's time to have an end times conversation. And here's the question, is this the end? And you know, the first two weeks, we've been camping out in Matthew chapter 24, uh, where Jesus makes this statement about the end times. He says, hey, one thing you can be sure of uh, in the end times is that there's going to be an increase. There's going to be an uptick of wickedness. And as a result, the love of most will, will grow cold. And, and I'll just say as a pastor, man, that's terrifying for me. For you. And so week one, I, I did my best to try to lift up our heads a little bit, to look up and have an elevated perspective above the clouds because God has good things in store for you. And so you don't need to be, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be discouraged. Like, like let's, let's stand up in this season, church, because, because God's on the move. And that's what we talked about last week because one thing that will also accompany these end times is God says, says this, this, this gospel, it will be preached uh, amongst the whole world to all nations and, and then the end will come and here's the, here, here's the good news, you, you are the good news. You're the good messenger carrying the best news this world's ever heard and I, I did my best to try to equip you in that last week. And, and this week we're gonna be jumping into 1 Thessalonians chapter five. So I hope you had some time to, to read 1 Thessalonians chapter four and chapter five uh, this week uh, leading up to this, this Sunday's message and, and get, get some perspective on, on what's, what's taking place. And the apostle Paul's talking a whole lot about, about the end times. But uh, before we go there, I wanna look at, at what the Bible tells us as part of the end times so, so that you won't be caught off guard. Uh, we're we're going to look at what, what Revelation kind of labels as these four horses or at least four horsemen of the apocalypse as they're often referred to. And then we're going to get super practical, take something very complex, make it practical so that we can live this out on, on Monday. And I'm just grateful that the Bible offers that for us. Uh, so, so here we go. Here, let's jump in. We're going to be in 1 John uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And here's some things that, 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 that the Bible says, hey, this is going to be part of uh, the, the, the end times, whenever that, that, that comes. And 
Um, here's what it says. It says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. You want to recognize the Spirit of God? Here it is. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus Christ uh, has come into the flesh, he's not, that's not from God. And this, the people who, who have that, that, that's actually the spirit of the Antichrist being displayed. Uh, Bible says what you've heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Uh, the Bible talks about this Antichrist, this, this leader who's going to rise up and, and, and kind of be a deceiver, not kind of, will be a very real deceiver. He, it'll look like he brings solutions, but he's actually the cause behind the problems. You can read about this in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verses 3 through 8. You can read about this in Revelation chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 8. And, and this, this is saying like, hey, the spirit of the Antichrist is here, but there's coming a day when, when a physical person, the Antichrist, will, will be here. And he, he will come into power and it will look like he's solving all the world's problems. But, but there's going to be a lot of deception behind that. And I, I want you to know just right up front, like I, I personally don't believe we are now living in the tribulation. I, I know some people believe that, like, like this is the end and we're living in the tribulation. I, I just believe that one of the reasons we're not living in that end times or the, the tribulation right now is I, I hold to this conviction like the, the church will be taken away before that happens. Before some of these, these four horses are fully released on earth, I, I hope I'm not here. That's just my personal conviction uh, from my understanding of scriptures. You might hold a different worldview and I'd love to have a conversation about that at some point. But uh, before today, we're just gonna keep it Keep it right here and just say, hey, you know what? Like my, my hope is that we, we take the first elevator out of here and we don't have to experience some of these things that I'm about to, about to share with you. And, and by the way, I, I'm not saying any of these things to scare anyone. My hope is to equip you. And, and Jesus said this in Luke 21, 28. He says this, hey, hey when you see these things happening, and I would just say this, I'm not saying like we're in the tribulation. I, as we talked about in week one, I do think this season is pregnant with potential. And just like you can see a pregnant woman, like you don't know the day or the hour that baby's gonna be born, but you can, you can look at that woman and say, <laughs> pregnant with potential. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing, by the way. And this season's a beautiful thing as well. And so when you see these things happening, don't, don't be afraid, don't be scared, but stand up. Look up, have an elevated perspective for your salvation is near. I'm just saying, church, what we've, we've anchored our lives in, what we've, what we've banked on, what we've, we've put our hope in, like it's, it's almost here. Salvation is almost here. And everything that's kept you awake at night, everything that's been stressing you out this week, everything that's been causing these gray hairs on my head will be, will be a thing of the past. And I don't know about you, but I'm... I'm looking forward to that because my, my salvation is here, here near. This, this is my moment to stand up. Look up. This is your moment as well. And so don't be, don't be discouraged, church. Uh, God is he's on the move and he's doing, he's doing good, good things. So here, here's what I also want just, to just highlight as we, we dive in. If you've studied the end times and you've probably heard of or read about these, these four horses of the apocalypse or these, these four horsemen, uh, and this, this kind of kicks off the tribulation. And I don't know that these are, are fully released, but I think, as you'll see in just a moment, the spirit of these are at play in our day, in our age, right here, right now. Here's what it says in Revelation chapter 6, verse 2. Uh, it says this, I, I looked, and there before me was a white horse, and its rider it, it held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out 
to conquer, bent on conquest. Now, I want to just pause here and notice that, that he's carrying a bow. Uh, but, and so, so he's like, you don't, you don't carry a bow unless you're hunting something, like unless you're, you're kind of on a war path. A lot of scholars make note, though, that it's interesting that he's, he's carrying a bow, but it doesn't highlight any arrows. And so they believe that this, this, this horseman, he's going to be bent on conquest, and he's going to, to cause war. He's going to cause dysfunction. He's going to cause turmoil. He's going to cause unrest. He's going to cause division. And, and he's, he's got a bow, but no arrows. And, and they're saying he's, he's going to do this in a, in a way that is bloodless. Like he's going to do it in a way that, that is very deceptive. It's going to trick people. It's, uh, it's going to cause a whole lot of division. And, and it says he was given a, a crown. And so this, this is an idea of self-selection. Like the people gave him this. He was given this. He didn't take a crown. People were like, hey, here's, here's a crown. You're the man. Thanks for bringing solutions. And while he causes disorder and causes dysfunction, he's also going to come with, with solutions. And therefore, people are going to want to give him a crown. And he, he rode out to conquer, bent on conquest. And here's what you need to know about the white horse. Here's what the white horse brings. He brings disruption and deception. And, and wow, like if, if this season hasn't highlighted disruption and deception in the minds of many, many men and women causing divisions, causing all kinds of chaos, uh, man, I don't, know, I don't know what is. So that's the first horse. He, he causes the white horse, causes disruption and deception. Second, second horse we read about in Revelation chapter 6, or verse, verse 4, it says, uh, Then after th- this came another horse, a fiery red one. Uh, its rider was given uh, power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. Uh, to him was given a large sword. So whenever you see the, the spirit of these end times at play, here's what you need to know this red horse causes. He causes fear and violence to be on the rise. I don't need to rehash the news or the media with you, but I think we could agree like the at least the spirit of this red horse is at play. And there, there's a whole lot of fear in our world today. There's, there's an increase of violence. We, we see this consistently on the news. And, and I'm just saying, I, I'm not saying any of this to scare you. I just want to equip you. This is going to be a reality in the end times. We're going to see an uptick in all these things. Revelation chapter 6, uh, verses 5 through 6, it says, and, uh, When the Lamb opened the third seal, and I just want to pause right there and let you know that the Lamb is Jesus. And so when it seems like the world is in chaos, when it seems like the world is in, in disarray, when the world is falling into disorder, God is still in control. And he's given us the word of God. He's given us the Bible. He's given us the book of Revelation and and a lot of scriptures that talk about these end times so that that we can be prepared. Like Jesus is like, I'm calling my shot. And church, I want you to know it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so we can be prepared. And that's the whole purpose of this message series, not to scare anyone, but to equip everyone. It says, when the lamb opened the the third seal, he says, "I, I heard the third living creature saying, come. And I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in hand. And uh, I just want to pause right there, a pair of scales. In New Testament times, that's uh, what was needed to do commerce. Uh, scales were what, what drove the economy. They didn't have currency like we have today, but they would weigh things out on scales. And it's this, this idea of commerce and, and business taking place. And, and this, this, this uh, black horse, 
horse has has a pair of scales in his hands. And then he says, when I, then I heard what sounded like the voice among the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wages. Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages. In other words, something that should cost very little is costing a whole lot. And six pounds of barley for a day's wages and don't damage the oil and the wine. Here's what the black horse brings. The black horse brings economic collapse, economic downturn, economic challenge. And, and, and again, I, I just want to pause right here because I can just imagine some of your eyeballs are about like saucers uh, right now. And I want you to know, this isn't intended to, to scare anyone. This is intended to equip everyone so that we know like, hey, <laughs> this will happen. We just need to be prepared. We just need to be equipped. And the Bible lays it out for us so for that purpose. And my, my job is just to tell you, teach you what the Bible says. So that's what we're, we're doing here today. Um, Revelation 6, uh, verse 8 says this. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. This is the, the last of the four horses. There was a pale horse, and its rider was named Death. And Hades was following close behind him. They were given a power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by wild beast of the earth. And, and I would just say, I, I think this is one of the reasons why we can know with, with confidence that these four horsemen have not been fully released because a conservative number of the world's population today would be 7.8 billion people. And, and this horseman's gonna wipe out 25% of them. So, so a conservative number again would be roughly 2 billion people would be, be, be dead by disease and, and famine and plague and, and sword. And so it's, uh, it's not happened yet. So here, here's what this, this pale horse brings. It brings disease, brings disease and death. So how do we run with these horses? Like, like when these, these end times come, when these seals are broken, when these horses are running at full strength, how do we keep up? How, how do we run our race to win? The, the Bible says, uh, we don't just run our race. No, we, we're running to win this puppy. And how do we keep up? How, how do we run in these times of, of challenge, whenever uh, dysfunction is on the rise, when everything bad is up? And I would just say as your pastor, man, I, I wish, I so wish I could change some of your circumstances. I, I know, we were just praying for some of you right before this recording. And, uh, and honestly, my heart breaks for some of you. Uh, just knowing what you're going through, uh, the struggle's real. And, and I wish I had like this magic, I wish there's a magic wand instead of a perplexing X. I could just change your situation and circumstances, but, 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 but I can't do that. But what I can do is equip you to run with these horses. What I can do is try to tell you what the Bible says so whenever these end times come, whenever challenging seasons come, you won't be caught off guard. You'll be prepared. You'll be equipped. And you can run your race with grace and with confidence starting today. Well, this, this summer we were in a series called Running with the Giants. And, and I want to pull some of, of that imagery back. And it was from, from Hebrews chapter 12, where we're, the Bible tells us that we're, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and this sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, this race marked out for us. It's this, this imagery of we're on the track 
And everyone that's ever ran the race ahead of us is, is in the grandstands watching and cheering you on right here, right now. And there's, there, we talked about how there's Abraham and he's, he's cheering you on. There's, there's Sarah, she's cheering you on. There's Rebecca, she's cheering you on. The, the prostitute Rahab, she's cheering you on. And, and Isaiah, she's cheering you on. And, and we ran a lap with these heroes of our faith as they spoke wisdom into our lives of how we can run our race to win. And today I want to do that in this context of our conversation around these end times and invite the Apostle Paul onto the track with us. And, and we would just ask the Apostle Paul this, this question, Paul, how can we run with these horses in these end times? And I think he would say, Central Family, I'm so, I'm so glad you asked because I've kind of provided you with a checklist and that's the title of today's message, a checklist for end time living in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And so when we come to these, these end times, he gives us practical handles for how to conduct our lives. Chapter, chapter 4, heavy theology, here's what's going to happen. Chapter 5, beginning of it, here's what's going to happen. And we talked about a lot of those verses in week one of this series. If you missed it, I encourage you to go check it out. I think would, would encourage you if you missed it. And if you listen to it, I go listen to it again because sometimes we could use some fresh wind in our sails. And that's what I tried to do in week one. And some of those scriptures from 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5 uh, were included in that message to kind of give a backdrop on, on this. But then we get to about the, the middle of, of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it's like Paul takes a turn, and he's like, here's what's going to happen, but here's how you keep up and you run with these horses. Here's how you keep up. Here's a checklist so that you won't be caught off guard. And he gives us nine things, nine action items. I actually wanted to call this series Checklist, uh, but, but apparently not everyone's uh, as endearing to checklist as I am. I, I think it's a wonderful term checklist, but for some people it provides, it kind of causes anxiety and I didn't want to do that for you. But, but today's message is checklist. So you can just go back whenever you see these things happening in our world, you can go back and refer to this, this checklist and say, how, how am I doing? How am I going to keep up with these horses? Well, I need to do these nine things that Paul gives us. And he's going to talk to us about these for the next two weeks as we run, run a lap with him around the track. So when we see disruption and deception, when we see fear and violence on the rise, when we see economic downturn and, and concern and collapse, we, we, we won't be caught off guard. When we see disease and death happening, we'll be able to run our race and run our race well. And here's the first thing that I believe the Apostle Paul would tell us from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I hope you're taking notes. Here's the first fill in the blank. Run with covering. Run with covering. In other words, I'm not going to run on my own. I'm going to run with some people. I'm going to run with, with some covering, some protection in my life. And the way that we display that we're running with covering is we're actually running with honor. And so I thought about, about, about naming this point, we got to run with honor. Because God ha has put into place some structures for your protection, for my protection. And I think it's interesting that Paul, he starts with this. He starts with this. If you're going to run your race well in these, these challenging times, you got to run with some covering. And just a little, little sidebar here. If you're taking, taking notes, these are in your notes. Uh, we're going to have a few of them on, on the screen. But, but there's four structures that I believe God instituted for your protection and for your good. And for every one of them, he says we're to honor them. Here's the first one. Civil authorities. Let me just pause here before I go there. Don't put it on the screen. Let's go back. I know this is a hot topic. I, I, know, I know this isn't something that comes real naturally for a lot of us. But here's what I would say. 
We believe that the Bible is the ultimate authority for faith and instruction on how we are to conduct our lives. My mom always told me the Bible is really just a, an acronym for basic instructions before leaving earth. Like, like you think about each letter in Bible, Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. And if, if that's true, and if you're a follower of Jesus, I hope you would say that is true, then we align our lives to the word of God. And so if God's word talks about it, we implement it. If God's word doesn't talk about it, then we can have a conversation, but we're not gonna be white knuckled about it. And so, so the Bible talks about this idea of running with covering, about displaying honor to these four, four structures in our lives that God has instituted. I know it's not popular. I, I, I know it, it might make you feel a little uneasy, but all the more reason I would say to lean in. And here's, here's the first one. Here, here's one of the structures that, that God says we gotta honor, and that is our civil authorities talks about it over and over in Romans 13, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Peter 2, Titus chapter 3, and the list goes on and on and on about, about how we should honor our civil authorities. Paul says in Romans 13 that, that all authority is established by God. And so when you complain against the civil authorities in your life, you're not complaining against a person, you're complaining against the person who put them there, and the Bible says that's God. And I would just assume God's not really excited about that. And so over and over it says, honor them. Listen, whenever Paul was writing these words to the church, the early church, like the, the civil authorities were burning Christians alive, doing horrific things. And Paul says, yeah, yeah, that guy, you gotta honor him because God has placed him in authority. We honor the civil authorities. Second thing we, we honor is, is in the workplace and in our schools. You know, so, so if you, you're, you have a CEO, you have a boss, you have a, a principal, you have a teacher, those are God-given structures of authority for your protection and for your good. And, and the Bible just says to, to honor them. And in your notes, there's a whole lot of scriptures that you could look at. And we don't have time to go there today, but where the Bible specifically teaches us to honor them. Third is family. We all like this one, especially if you're parents. We're like, yeah, honor your mother and father, right? And you should, that's, it's biblical. That, that's why we like it. And here's the deal, like when you do these things, even if it's challenging, you'll come, you'll become alive. Listen, when we do these things, we become a little bit more like Jesus. And the more we become like Jesus, the more we become alive. We honor we honor civil authorities. We, we honor the, the structures that God has put. We honor your boss. Honor your CEO. Listen, I, it will go better for you. It, honor, honor your mother and father. Honor your grandparents. You'll come alive. It, it'll be better for you. And then, then fourth, and this is where it gets a little, little weird for me, um, but the Bible teaches it, so, so I'm going there. Here's what it says. Honor spiritual leaders. It talks about us a whole lot. And all these structures are put in place for your protection. And I think what's so crucial in these end times is there's more resistance to running with covering than ever before. In our day and age, we wanna push against anyone that tries to have authority or like is in a place of authority. We're like, no, 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 we push against that. But the Bible's like, no, we honor, we honor them. And here's where Paul starts in his end times checklist. Nine things, I'm gonna give you four today. Again, I'm gonna give you five next week. 
We're going to run with covering. Here it is, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 13. Here, here's how Paul starts this. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. Their work, they work, a hard, they work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. So show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And, and here's the action item for you, for me. We're better together. We are always better together. Let's, let's be people who, who run with covering. And the way we just demonstrate that we're running with covering in all four of those areas is we honor. We honor them. We speak well of them. We, we try to make their job lighter, not heavier. I'm just saying, by your te- like teachers, thank you for what you're doing. Principals, administrators, thank you for what you're doing. We should buy them a gift card, display honor. Like, like help them. It's a tough season for them. Honor them. Uh, you know what? Like, I don't, just, I don't agree with a whole lot of things happening in our county, in, in Santa Clara. But you know what? Like, Sarah Cody's making all these decisions, and, and at the same time, she's receiving death threats, and that should never be true of anyone in life. Let's, let's honor her. I don't agree with her, but I, I want to honor her. I want to pray for her family. And so should you. So, 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 should, so should I. So should I. I'm imperfect people in progress. I'm still learning to talk. Uh, but let's, let's honor people. Let's honor people. Run with covering. We're better together. I got to keep moving. Second thing, uh, run with ministry. We run, we run with ministry. Here's the second thing Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take k- tender care of those who are weak. For, for all, all three of these, they have, there's action. We, we warn people. We encourage people. We care for people. Oh, that's ministry. We minister to people. We help them. We run with ministry. Study after study shows that, that if you're depressed or like in a spiritual funk, one of the best ways to come alive is to find ways to serve other people. Volunteer your time. Find people who are struggling around you and come alongside them to help lift them up. And as you focus on helping others, something happens in our psyche where we actually come alive. It helps us. Here's the action, uh, the antidote. Here's what I believe. One of the best ways to, to, to the, the antidote to needing ministry is doing ministry. One of the best ways. If you want to avoid needing ministry, start doing ministry. Like keep, keep your mind occupied with serving others in Jesus' name. There's a whole lot of peop- people who are struggling, a whole lot of opportunities to serve, a whole lot of opportunities to care, encourage, correct, come alongside. Let's do that. Let's be those people. Let's be, let's be that church. And by the way, I'm just so thankful for you, the Central Family, and how you've ministered in this season whether that's through the blood drive, whether that's through uh, helping the police officers in our community, whether that's uh, speaking up for racial injustice, whether that's uh, coming alongside, helping with city teams, serving out at city team, uh, various ways, maybe just shooting encouraging texts and emails to, to, to myself or the, the staff or people in the church, checking on the elderly. Man, you, you guys run with ministry, and I'm just so honored to run alongside uh, this central family as we do, do ministry together. So, so we're going to run with ministry, and the antidote to needing ministry is, is actually to do ministry. And then the third, the third observation that, that Paul gives us is we need to run with grace. Like in the midst of challenging times, in the midst of, of all the chaos, in the midst of end times, we run with, we run with grace. Here's what he says in 1 Thessalonians 
See that no one pays back evil for evil. Now that's mercy right there. He uh, said, give people mercy. Like, like, like to, whenever someone does you wrong, like don't repay them for the wrong. Like withholding from someone what they rightfully deserve, that's mercy. But then he doesn't just stop there. He says, but, but always try to do good. That's grace to each other as long, uh, do, do good to each other and, and to all people. It's grace. So mercy is withholding from someone what they rightfully deserve. Grace is giving someone what they, what they don't deserve. And Paul's saying, hey, run with grace in these times. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God showed me mercy. Like I did a whole lot of stuff to deserve a whole lot of punishment. And he withheld what I rightfully deserved. I didn't do anything to earn it. And he's just poured out grace in my life. Aren't you thankful for that, church? And in return, we have this invitation to run with grace because here's what we all know. Everyone you meet is struggling in some area of their life right now. Could be work, could be family, could be finance, could be emotional, could be physical. Run with grace. We need that. Speak words of grace. Speak words of hope. Here's the action step. Don't give people what they deserve. Give people what they need. In this season, Monday morning, don't give people what they deserve. Give people what they need. And here's what we need. We need a little extra love, a little extra encouragement, a little extra care, a whole lot more Jesus. Don't give people what they deserve. Give them, give them what they need and run with grace. You'll be able to keep up with those horses. And then finally, run with joy. Paul would say, hey, just let's be people who run with joy. If you, if you, if you've ever thought about memorizing a Bible verse, here's a good verse to memorize. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Always be joyful. Matter of fact, wherever you are, maybe you're in the living room, maybe you're by yourself in a car, wherever you are, I invite you to say these words out loud. Let's read this verse together on the count of three. One, two, three. Always be joyful. Always. Always be joyful. Now you might be asking, like, how can you be joyful when you don't feel joyful? How can you be joyful when circumstances are challenging? And I would just say, man, one of the things that's true of our day and age is we, we live in a day and age where our emotions run the show. We live in a day and age, and it's, it's a scary time, when we're losing this, this idea of we're, we're going to be people of principle. We're going to be people of conviction, because whenever something doesn't feel right to us, we, we, we go the other way. Or when something feels challenging, we don't lean in. But I don't want that to be true of us, Central Family. Let's be people of conviction. And let's choose joy. The Bible says always be joyful. And I want to help you know how to do that. Here's what it says in Nehemiah before we go there. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 says this. Don't be dejected and sad. A lot of us are there, man. We just live in this place dejected and sad. But Nehemiah said, don't do that because here's why. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Like if you want God to strengthen you, man, we need to choose joy. Philippians 4, 4, the Apostle Paul says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he like doubles down on it. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Like this is threaded throughout the whole Bible. Choose joy. The people of God help us, help us be, live lives marked with joy. And it's not easy. 
You're not going to be able to let your feelings be your guide. You got to make a conscious decision every day. I'm going to choose joy. Here's what I do. You know, some days I don't want to get out of bed, especially in 2020. There's been days when I just want to curl up in the fetal position and like suck my thumb like a little baby. (laughs) But I got to choose joy. And so here's what I do. I I, I go to God and I just get real honest with him. On my best days, here's what I do. Let me say that. I go to God and say, God, you know what? I don't really want to be here. I I know that sounds bad, but there's other things I, I feel like I should be doing. And I'm kind of in a, in a funk, and I don't really want to talk to you. I'm not really feeling it today. But then I remind myself who God is. And I say, but God, you're worthy. God, God, you hung the stars in place, and you called them each by name. And you know what, God? Like our smartest people on earth are still trying to figure out just how many stars are in our cosmos. And God, you're big. And you, you did all that, God, by the breath of your mouth. Like you didn't even break a sweat. You just said it and it was there. Like, God, you're awesome. God, God you created the fish in the sea. And man, I was at the ocean the other day and I saw, I saw God, you got a sense of humor. Like you do funny things, God, and you're, you're all powerful. And God, I remember how you showed up in my life. I remember, God, whenever I was in a jam and I didn't think there was any way out. I thought my life was sunk. And God, you rescued me out of the mud and the mire. God, you're a gracious God. And I'm so thankful for that. God, I remember how you parted the sea and you made a way for your people when there didn't seem to be a way. God, you are the redeemer. You set people free. You you set me free. And God, you came for the captive. And I'm grateful for that. And as I just just lean into God, I I just tell him who he is. And as I declare, God, this is who you are, something shifts in me. Something changes in me. I know you've rejoiced before. Rejoice again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Paul says, I'm going to say it again before I finish this lap with you. Rejoice. Let's be people who rejoice. And the more you rejoice in the Lord, the more joy floods your life. It was Kay Warren, Pastor Rick Warren's wife from Southern California, and they've, they've had a lot of hard, hard times. I mean, ministry's tough enough, but they had one of their, their, their sons commit suicide. They've, they've navigated some horrific seasons of life. And she wrote a book, and her book's called Choose Joy Because Happiness Isn't Enough. I encourage you to check it out if you want to do further uh, study on this, but Choose Joy by, by Kay Warren, and, and she provides our closing action step today. And here it is. Joy is the determined choice to praise God in all things. That's within your control. That's within my control. There are a whole lot of things outside of my control. This one I can control. We're, we're going to choose joy. We're, joy is the determined choice to praise God in all things. Now, now, now listen, like, Perplexing X. There's a lot of perplexing things in, in our life right now. And you talk about the end times, like, Tim, you're talking about horses, and like, I don't, that's perplexing. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Well, here's what I hope you do get. Run with covering. God's instituted structures for your protection and for your good. Run with ministry. Run with grace. Run with joy. Because really some of the perplexing things can be broken down to very simple action steps. 
Now, you want to know how this perplexing X works? It's super, super complicated. Like, how do you get a square outside of, outside of this X? And honestly, like, here's another confession. I, I had to Google this, so um, I'm not that smart. But here's what, here's what you do. I learned this on YouTube. You can learn a lot of stuff on YouTube. Uh, you take it, sit it down, and spin it. Spin it in the same direction. And just kind of give this a little, little jiggle here. Voila. Just like that. Some things that were very complicated, some things that, that seemed impossible, all of a sudden come apart very easily. And I think when it comes to these end times, how do we conduct ourselves? Well, well Paul gives us a checklist. And just to re- reiterate these once again, we run with covering. And we're going to take action because we're better together. We're going, to, we're going to prove that we're running with covering by honoring the structures that God has instituted. And there's a whole lot in the Bible about that. And I hope you do further study, especially if you want to push back on that idea. Because the Bible's basic instructions before leaving earth, I, I, hope, you, I hope we apply that in this season. Second thing, we, we're going to run with ministry. We're going to make it very simple. We're going to, we're going to do ministry so we don't, don't always need ministry. We're going to take action. We're going to find some people struggling. We're going to come alongside and, and help them. We're going to run with grace because, man, we need grace. I don't know about you. I'm so thankful for grace. One of the things, every time I pray, one of the things I, I try to always say, God, God, thank you for grace. Thank you for saving a dude like me. I'm so thankful for that. And now we get to be dispensers of grace. In these end times, Central, let's run with grace. Don't give people what they deserve. Give people what they need. And then finally, we're going to choose joy. It's got to be a choice. You, got, you can make that decision right now, and Monday will be different because of the decision you made right now. Let's just be, choose joy. And how do we do that? Well, we rejoice. The Lord always. And, and when we get done rejoice, we're going we're gonna to say it again. We're going to rejoice. We're going to take action on what Kay Warren said, joy is the determined choice to praise God in all things. Let's praise him, church, because he's more than worthy. And here's what's going to be a byproduct that you're going to experience joy. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you for your radical grace. God, we thank you for allowing us to be dispensers of that grace. We thank you, God, for the covering that you've provided for us, for our protection and our safety. We thank you, God, for ministry, the ability to serve people. Help us to serve, to be your hands and feet extended, to be Jesus with flesh on this week. God, help us to serve people. And God, help us to choose joy in a season that wars against joy. Help us to make a conscious decision to represent you well in this area of our lives. God, I pray your blessing on your church today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, uh, in a season like this, I also realize that there's perhaps many of you or a few of you anyway tuning in today that, that don't know Jesus, don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And, and if you're ever going to keep up with those horses that I mentioned, the first thing you need to do is, is to surrender your life to God. Go all in with Jesus and let him fill you with his presence and guide you and help you along life's journey. And if you want to begin a real relationship with God today, I would be, be my honor to help you take that step. The Bible says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that, that, that you can have a whole new life. You can be saved. 
And if that's where you want to want to go, that, that's that's what you want to do today. You want to cross that line of faith. It would be my honor, be my joy, uh, to help you begin that real relationship with Jesus. So if that's you, I invite you to say a simple prayer along with me, like this: Just say, God, I know I've blown it. I know I've made mistakes, and I understand that the Bible calls calls that sin. And the Bible also says that the penalty for sin is death. But the good news is that, that God, you came and you gave us your son, Jesus, so we won't have to experience that eternal death, but we can have eternal life with you. So God, I believe that on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty that I deserve. As a gift to me, he, he did it. And so God, I receive that gift today. And God, I, I pray you'd forgive me of my sins. I believe he died on the cross, but I also believe that Jesus rose again and so, Jesus, because you're alive, I'm asking you to come take residency in my life. I want you to be the CEO and call the shots from here on out. Now, you say this to him, God, I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, if that was your prayer today, that was your commitment, man, I want you to know that, that all of heaven is like erupting in celebration right now. And we, as a central family, are celebrating with you. We can, we can clap some hands in the chat or whoop it up in the chat, but we would also love to connect with you. Uh, so you can text us at 408-944-5402. That's 408-944-5402. Or as always, you can email us at info at centralsj.org. That's info at centralsj.org. We're not going to show up at your house. Uh, we're not going to do anything weird. Uh, we would just love to connect with you, hear from you, know how we can help you along life's journey. And as you begin that relationship with Jesus, we are so, so fired up. Well, hey, Central Family, I'm excited for things coming down the pipe this week. Uh, we got Parenting in a Pandemic on Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Make sure you go, register. And next week, we continue this, this end times conversation, and, and we tie a bow with the Apostle Paul's uh, last five of his checklist for end times living, getting very practical. Hope you'll come back. Check us out next week, and I look forward to seeing you very soon.